RBC is a proud partner and supporter of Powwow Pitch and Indigenous entrepreneurs like Squalwen Botanicals' Lee Joseph. Discover her story in RBC's latest edition of A Chosen Journey at rbc.com forward slash a chosen journey. Traditional healing with a modern vibe. Sister Sage, powwow pitch winner, has got you covered. Cleanse your body and spirit with smokeless smudge, handmade soaps and bath bombs. Peace, love and smudge. Join the Sage fam at sistersage.com. Do you have an idea that you're itching to turn into a business? It starts with a website. Visit shopify.com forward slash powwow pitch to sign up for a 30-day free trial to take action on your idea today. Hey, welcome everyone to the Powwow Pitch Podcast, a show empowering Indigenous entrepreneurs. I am your host, Sunshine Quem Tenasco, and I'm an entrepreneur from Kitagon Zibi and Anishinaabe. I got my entrepreneurial start on Dragon's Den selling baby moccasins. And today I'm the creator of Powwow Pitch and Her Braids, an author, water protector, mom, and advocate of Indigenous entrepreneurs. Each year, Powwow Pitch supports thousands of Indigenous entrepreneurs to tell their stories. I launched this podcast to grow the reach of our entrepreneurial wisdom connected to our rich culture and deep roots as Indigenous people. On this podcast, I interview some of the most successful Indigenous entrepreneurs, makers, and creators to share their stories, learnings, and wisdom to lift us all. The Powwow Pitch Podcast is a production of Powwow Pitch, syndicated through the Startup Canada Podcast Network and co-presented by RBC, Shopify, and Facebook. Welcome to the show. You'll often hear today's guest speaker asking, do you want to play Indigenomics? Uh, we're so lucky to have today the founder and CEO of the Indigenomics Institute, Carol Ann Hilton. Hi, Carol Ann. Hi. Hi. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yay. I'm excited to, to have this chat. Um, I'm just going to go uh, tell our guests a little bit about you and then we'll get to our conversation. So who is Carol Ann? Carol Ann is an Indigenous business leader of the New Church. Nult, did I say that properly? New Channel. New Channel. <laughs> Try again. How do you say it? New Channel. New Channel. Descent from the Hisquiat Nation on Vancouver Island. She is an author, speaker, and senior advisor, holds an international master's degree in business management at the Royal Road School of Business. As the founder of the Indigenomics Institute and the Global Center of Indigenomics, Carol Ann just released her book, Indigenomics, Taking a Seat at the Economic Table. Carol Ann is an advocate for Indigenous economic growth as a member of the Canadian Economic Growth Council and a former member of the BC Emerging Economy Task Force, 
and the BC Indigenous Business and Investment Council through her advisory support at McGill, MyTax, and Canada's Digital Supercluster. Last year, uh, Carol Ann won the 2020 BC Achievements Foundation Award of Distinction at In Indigenous Business. And in 2018, she won the National Excellence in Aboriginal Relation Award from the Canada Council for Aboriginal Business. Woo, Carolyn, that is a whole long list of achievements like that. That is that is a mouthful. Thank you for joining us today to our first Powwow Pitch podcast series. We're super happy to have you and and to hear and to learn from you. So welcome to the show. And um, yeah, can you take us uh, take us on a journey and tell us about how and why this started? For sure. Thank you. I will send you my short bio next time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I released uh, my book, Indigenomics, Taking a Seat at the Economic Table. And the idea was to be able to facilitate a collective response to this concept of um, growing Indigenous economic empowerment. And that our task at this point is to locate our leadership in that. The concept of the book is about taking a seat at the economic table and to build on a truth of a country based on the concept of Indigenous economic exclusion designed into the very fabric and identity of this country and to build a new story and build a new truth based on Indigenous economic inclusion but to be able to build on the truth of the past, to recognize it, and to be able to create a new story of Indigenous inclusion and recognize the growing um, force of Indigenous um, economic empowerment today. That's really the concept of taking a seat at the economic table and to be able to build a collective response and to be able to locate our leadership in that. Wow. And, And how are you going about doing this? Um, For sure. So the concept of Indigenomics is economics from an Indigenous worldview. It's really about uh, understanding that Indigenous worldview has been systematically excluded and that if we look at the big questions of today um, around whether it's net zero um, climate policy change, those aspects Indigenous inclusion and revaluing Indigenous knowledge systems must be essential to our collective economic response. The idea of Indigenous peoples um, and the concept of Indigenomics is really about a statement of claim of Indigenous modern space that we can't be relegated to the past and the perceptions of with which um, we are seen from in terms of negative statistics. We need to be able to be seen as functioning economies, functioning businesses, um, and the ability to look at that concept of modern space of Indigenous existence. Mm -hmm. And so as you are writing this book, um, who was your audience? Was it Indigenous people specifically, or was it non-Indigenous people or government? Who who are we talking to here? Um, 
at points I felt like the book wanted to be written. And I was very clear of, I did not want this to be an academic book. I did not want it to be kind of funneled into um, prescribed uh, process of in terms of how it was written. Uh, what I wanted to do was establish an authentic voice and perspective within it. So outside of the structures of methodology, um, I feel that the audience is very wide. And what I'm seeing in terms of the sales and the attention of the book, there's a very wide spectrum of the audience itself. Everyone from government, policy, um, corporate, um, finance, yeah, indigenous governance, indigenous businesses, um, Canadians with a focus on around reconciliation. There's, um, in terms of that breadth of audience, I think that what I wanted to be able to do in it was to bring a voice of experience that didn't have to be validated, that in itself, the experience um, of indigenous leaders and allies spoke clearly of pointing to the pathway of what Indigenous economic empowerment can look like. That's interesting. So when you say the voice uh, from a voice that didn't need to be validated, I, I find that very interesting. Can you like tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. So in a kind of standard ac academic um, development of a methodology of a book, everything that is said has to be externalized and supported and referenced. And the reason that I highlighted six specific leaders in their leadership in the Indigenous economy was that I could bring their authenticity, their voice and their experience with very little editing of that. Um, I think the other ability of looking at this concept of authentic perspective is I wanted to center a varying um, spectrum of Indigenous worldview, of whether that was Anishinaabe or New Channel or Maori, but begin to look at the patterns of that. What was important to me as well is that I jumped on this ride of Indigenomics that it essentially started as a hashtag on social media, as a way to distribute stories about Indigenous business success and Indigenous entrepreneurs and those challenges. And what's occurred today is really this uptake of a movement of practice of Indigenomics and leadership. And in that in itself, I think from a hashtag of distributing stories, really what I began to see was patterns. And in those patterns, um, how the media portrayed the Indigenous relationship was something that was critical in the narrative of the book as well, that the perception of fear in response to the growth of Indigenous businesses and economies, um, the concepts of power dimensions within the relationship as we take our seat at the economic table, those are fundamental to realize that um, Canada as a whole has to shift the perception of how we see Indigenous people and what that means and how the data, the metrics, the meaning support the emergence of Indigenous economic strength in a clear picture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how you describe it sort of nonchalantly, it started out as a hashtag Indigenomics. It sort of seems like 
it started out for funsies, you know, like you just sort of tossed it out there. Um, but, it, you know, then you have these huge and wonderful conference and now a book like what was that process like how what inspired you to take it from you know there's oftentimes a lot of hashtags being tossed out there it doesn't mean that it's going to stick do you know what i mean or mean anything or be other than a hashtag so how did it go from hashtag to now where you're at <laughs> like why did that happen because it it didn't have to happen right and it had to be someone uh, it had to be you to be able to take it from that to where it is now. Yeah, I ask myself the same mm. things. I think that as the early, early days of the hashtag, I started um, just kind of playing around with the patterns that I was seeing. And then I was invited to uh, develop content around Indigenomics and teach it at Simon Fraser University's Community Economic Development Program. And there I really had the space to delve into what it was that I was seeing, what it was that I was experiencing, and how that was important to the development of the concept of Indigenomics. The other pivotal point was um, my role in being the only person assigned to the federal um, Economic Growth Council under this previous liberal mandate, where being the only Indigenous person and a woman, what I became very aware of in the information that was presented to me, because while there was very much real efforts around Indigenous inclusion in building a uh, economic response nationally, to look at Indigenous inclusion, what I saw was that there was only a piecemeal approach at, a, at best in terms of national budgets, uh, programs and services, and that the concept of Indigenous economic design did not exist. It became very apparent to me in my work that there was pieces of, leader, of research that outlined and said, we need this, we don't have this, and it was all in the negative language. When I realized that the challenges of the limitations of the funding and program approach was not Indigenous economic design. It opened up this whole new world of what I imagined Indigenomics needed to be. So I started driving the language of Indigenous economic design that I really saw quite blatantly that there is no system of Indigenous economic growth. There's a put money here and hope to hell it creates positive outcomes. We looked at this week's federal budget where we saw um, $18 billion um, of funding to close the socioeconomic gap. When I refer in my language to telling a new story, we have to address the old story and to understand that the cause of the socioeconomic gap in this country is indigenous economic exclusion. My language is also, I'm able to take economic language and apply it in a simple way to tell a story simply around the concept of economic distortion that in itself doesn't exist within economic books. The concept of economic distortion, I build up to relay the perception of the Indian problem, the cost to the system, um, the, the deficit perception of viewing the Indigenous people. But my work has really been focused in opening up 
Canadian reality, consciousness, and perception of Indigenous economic empowerment, starting with a fundamental truth, we're powerful people. And driving that message, we're powerful people, has been fundamental to the language and the message landing around Indigenomics. Because it's a new word, it's also very neutral. It doesn't come weighted in terms of like phrases like free prior informed consent or consultation that are all legally driven. The neutrality of the concept of indigenomics in itself, I think, has also um, supported the uptake of the idea overall. And then lastly, because I do so much speaking around indigenomics, I always end with that invitation of who wants to play indigenomics and it's fun it's inviting it it invites leadership insight and participation and i think that's also very much played into the success of the concept mhm now like the language that you use and how well you articulate everything it's um you know, it's sometimes difficult to understand or to keep up because there's so many concepts that you bring to the table all at the same time. Um, and, and it's amazing. So it's obviously a lot of research. Um, but the fact that you are not just taking this research where you're working for someone, but you're doing this as an entrepreneur as well and getting paid to do this, right? Yeah, absolutely. And my operating principles in in terms of realizing that the concept of indigenomics is bigger than me, um, that indigenomics wants to be indigenomics. Like when I wrote the book itself, it felt it literally felt like there was some sentences that wanted to be written. They're just like pop into the computer. They're like, I'm here. Here's my truth. <laughs> and um, what is really important to me in this is language matters in this idea of how much creative space I have as a leader around driving specific words. The simplest sentence, um, Indigenous peoples are an economic powerhouse. To have the leadership to drive that as a message and to invite into a new response, that's really the intersection of indigenomics and this idea of the creative freedom I have as an individual and as a leader. Most important to me at a personal level is to be able to live my life that when I speak, um, the disciplines in my life reflect that my words land when I speak, that I'm clear, that I'm careful, that language matters, that relationships matter, and that the founding or building principle of Indigenous peoples are powerful is reflective of who I am and where I come from and my identity, that those are aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to go back to, uh, you know, you talk about Indigenous business and I, I'm just, it brings me back to when I went to uh, the first conference you had in, I think it was Vancouver or Victoria? Yeah, 2019, Vancouver. Right. So um, I, I was lucky enough to, to participate and, and speak at, at your conference and just be a part of it. And um, the thing that I took away from that, just from observing uh, 
who was there and who was at the table. So, you know, uh, Powwow Pitch, you know, aims to help grassroots startup entrepreneurs, right? Um, CCAB was there and they help sort of upper level and, and getting into procurement. And, you know, you have to make this much money to be able to, you know, sort of join them. Um, what I found interesting about your conference was that you had everybody at the table who, who were, who are helping indigenous small businesses, a little bit bigger businesses, all of that. So I, and I think they're all in my eyes, they're yes, the same at the roots, but very different. So I'm I'm curious about that. Like, how do you view that in indigenous business? Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate the energy um, of having such a diverse crowd that it's not just entrepreneurs or it's not just big corporations, that there's this really wide spectrum of policy, uh, fiscal relationship, the finance sector, uh, small entrepreneurs, artisans, um, that the concept of our forums is to create space for leadership. It's a place to invite into, to learn, to reflect, and to locate your own leadership with in. And I think that's what really attracts to the concept of Indigenomics is it's reflective of what is my role? What conversations do I have? And what does that look like within my company, within um, our collective response? So realizing that this idea of inclusion what has been important to me is this idea of developing an indigenomics economic mix. So that as a concept, which I had shaped that original conference around, was 12 enablers of indigenous, um, those hotspots of indigenous business. So those include like definitely entrepreneurship, uh, procurement, equity ownership, uh, clean energy, but looking at that mix as a place to be able to design investment into design relationships and design increased indigenous economic activity. And I think that is kind of creating this intersection of leadership, investability, um, kind of self-determination from an indigenous uh, entrepreneurial perspective and building foundations of self-sufficiency. Mm. So that's, I think, also has been really important in the invitation into who wants to play Indigenomics is watching who answers. And mm. my email is constantly full of people saying, I heard you speak. How do I play Indigenomics? What can I do? And there was a gentleman recently in BC that had heard me speak and um, he was ailing in his health, a little bit elderly, and he had substantial uh, land assets up in northern BC. And he said to me on an email, he's like, I heard your call. I want to play Indigenomics. Can you tell me how to facilitate to return 300 hectares of land back to the local nation? And just things like that, I that there's really... It is about people finding their leadership in this new story. So 
moving past this idea of I'm not responsible or that wasn't my generation or I didn't do that to really building economic structures, tools, and resources to support Indigenous inclusion today. Wow, that's amazing. That just uh, that just blew my mind. Um, the power of, you know, starting from a hashtag to then, you know, that conversation that you had with that gentleman. Um, you mentioned something that, you know, what is your role? Um, now, when, you know, when you work for an organization or you have a job, you know what your role is because someone told you this is the role that we want you to fill. Um, and then you mentioned the word leaders. Okay. So what is your role? Because we're all giving ourselves roles, you know, and I feel like it took me uh, a couple of years, uh, to figure out once I started powwow pitch and, and helping indigenous entrepreneurs, it was so fluid and sort of just, you know, again, like for funsies for me that I'm still figuring out what is my role. Um, and it's only become clear within the last few years. So how do you see your role? What is your role? Um, I like to see that my role is to push the agenda. Hmm. My work at the Institute, the central founding concept was to evolve the to establish a target of Indigenous economic growth. So we understand that underperformance um, coexists with under expectations. Essentially, my work at the Institute has been highlighting this target of a $100 billion national Indigenous economy. The language that I use specifically is future pacing Canada's economic reality. So to imagine a possibility of that as a target, but not as a target for the sake of growth itself, but for the sake of inclusion, for the sake of investment, for the sake of um, self-sufficiency and Indigenous wellness. Mm. The concept of pushing an agenda um, and the idea of Indigenous economic design those are really, I think, I instill new concepts around um, the performance of the Indigenous economy. I really point to tools, resources, structures um, to support Indigenous economic growth and design. And while I, as an individual, exist within an ecosystem of Indigenous business leadership, with each all having their role, you know, like can do, um, facilitates, uh, economic development training, AFOA facilitates, um, economic development, financial capacity. Um, NACA, we saw that recently, the national Aboriginal capital association or the Aboriginal financial institution network, um, of building a structure of Indigenous growth fund to increase accessibility of capital and efficiency of getting that capital to market or to entrepreneurs, sorry. Um, I think my role as realizing me as an individual um, facilitating leadership through the Indigenomics Institute, that idea of pushing an agenda, pushing 
um, establishing a target. I also realize very much in my day-to-day work that I live in imagination a lot, that the $100 billion Indigenous economy as an imaginative structure or a target to move towards. Um, my work over the last while has been very much around, we're closer than we think we are to the $100 billion Indigenous economy, and here's why. And developing a public uh, a published paper to demonstrate essentially the shortcomings of GDP, the increasing role of uh, wellness structures of an Indigenous economy, as well as new measurements such as revenue, assets, and investment. So I think that the concept of indigenomics, the target of the um, $100 billion has been very highly, highly visible over the last um, number of years. And a lot of that is visibility around investment into the Indigenous economy, including Indigenous entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I get when larger corporations or bigger businesses come to you and want to participate. How do I play Indigenomics and want to play? What would your advice be to an entrepreneur for, you know, a small business? Can they play uh, Indigenomics? And if so, how? How can they play Indigenomics? I think that's the magic of Indigenomics is that I am bringing attention to what's already happening. I really, my heart has always been with Indigenous entrepreneurs. There's such a fierce courage to believe in something um, different than either the experience of poverty or social difficulties or um, the experience of colonization. The concept of courage, the ability to create and build yourself out of a situation using business as a tool, I think is so important. And it's in terms of my advice is really taking care of your state of being that recognizing your state of courage is really important. And that's something that all the programming, whether it's talking about how to set up a marketing plan or a business plan or accessing financing, being able to take care of self and take care of really what is your, where is your level of courage? Where's your support systems with that? The human dimension of being an entrepreneur and being connected, I think is so important. And I think that's one of the fiercest sentences that we can say is I am an Indigenous entrepreneur and the ability and leadership and support required to be successful in that is huge. Mm-hmm. I really like that. And I, I'm a big advocate for taking care of self. Um, so how do you personally take care of your state of being? I love that question. Mm-hmm. Um, personal discipline in my conversations is important. Um, not listening to gossip. Um, you know, not in circles with uh, drinking or backstabbing or things like that. I think I talked about living my life in a way that I'm responsible that my words land. So as a teaching, um, if I'm not aligned, I'm my responsibility that when I speak, my words land, that is in itself a way of life that is 
I take very seriously and realize um, the importance that I've built a platform that has influence from with which I speak from. And that influence, the words that I say, and my ability to do that is really those personal disciplines in life, you know, high energy food, um, being able to uh, feel rested, to be aware of where my energy levels are, Mm -hmm. to know what it is I'm paying attention to, um, to know when I'm worrying or when I'm letting something go. And those are all personal disciplines that have to happen inside of me in order to live my life so that my words land as a leader. Mm-hmm. Like self-awareness is such a huge part of being an entrepreneur and being to, you know, being able to self-respect, uh, self also self-respect, but self-reflect, you know, and, and being aware. I, I think we're all on a healing journey, right? And so I think talking about that as part of Indigenomics is so important and being aware of where not just your traumas are or where you are, but where your parents or your aunties or whoever raised you, you know, because it's not just parents who are raising you, you know, sometimes, you know, we have this really complicated history. I think that is a huge conversation that needs to happen. And I think that that's also part of playing indigenomics because really entrepreneurship is about, um, healing, whether it's economically, emotionally, spiritually, however you want to say it physically, but it's all, you know, really medicine wheel teachings. Yeah, absolutely. And really on that personal level as well, I'm highly aware of um, the concepts of indigenomics is my response. It's, it is personal. It's absolutely personal. It's, it's personal in the sense of my response to the 60 scoop. I'm very aware of, you know, with the concept of, is this a trauma response? <laughs> you know, is this my response to colonialism itself? The realization of the inception of indigenomics into reality itself, um, the concept is the antithesis of um, capitalism, of economic exclusion. And to be able to build a business around that, I feel very honored. And oftentimes I feel like Indigenomics found me and wanted to become Indigenomics and I had to be open to that. So being aware of my relationships, my conversations, uh, my energy levels, where my attention is, is every single day discipline of what that looks like. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting, uh, because you're not the first person to say that, but this, uh, you know, comes out of your response to the sixties scoop. Um, I think that is extremely powerful. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? You know, some people don't know what the sixties scoop is, uh, in our case, you know, in our community, uh, a lot of people went to residential schools, not so much, uh, the sixties scoop. So, um, can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So my parents went to residential school, my grandparents went to residential school. And I also feel very much that's a responsibility that I live every day of I'm the first generation out of residential school. And what does that mean? And how do I express that? Um, The effect of 
generations in residential school really expressed itself as my mother's um, inability to raise children without the trauma and the uh, dysfunction that was we were surrounded by at that time. So my mother had five children, all five um, family took care of them. My brother and I were in care and I returned home, I think when I was 16 and I was fully able to reintegrate back into community, but also realize that as a super, as a child and as a young person, I was very aware that I thought and what I saw was very distinct from what my experience was in care. And I think I've carried that perspective with me um, across time. So understanding really that my return home and seeing, you know, the limited economic opportunities, um, the desecration of our territories, you know, the social ills, all of those aspects, indigenomics is really a disciplined response to build or to respond in a way that that simple sentence of we're powerful people what does that, what happens and what is the effect of that to shift into that perspective? And how do we make different decisions when we see Indigenous peoples as powerful people instead of numbers within a socioeconomic gap? Wow, you just gave me goosebumps everywhere. Um, what a what an act of uh, reclamation. I, you know, you, you, you saying returning home. Um, I think that's super powerful to returning home. You know, what does that mean? And and indigenomics is your way to to deal with that and to respond and to respond at a level where there are so many indigenous people who have a very similar story to you um, and 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 some of which are still sort of there who are still living that. And the fact that you were able to, you know, think about self-awareness and grow and grow and push and push is outstanding. Like it really, really, really is. Um, I have so much respect for the work that you do and how you speak and how you uh, take action and live your life. It's, um, it's inspiring. Um, what, uh, you know, before we wrap up here, what final advice would you give to uh, Indigenous entrepreneurs? Um, I think live your courage, really be aware of, um, what it is that you're wanting to do, what you're wanting to build, um, the effect you're wanting to have by creating a business. And it can be something as simple as baking bread in your local community. It can be something as simple as having a truck and hauling things. You can be building businesses in response to, um, sectors within, your region, whatever that is, really live your courage because it takes a lot of courage to be an Indigenous person. It takes a lot of leadership to stand in your truth of your own worldview of however close you are to that or however much we've been removed from that. Um, courage is that centering point to what it is you're wanting to build and the effect that you're wanting to create. Wow. Um, live your courage. I love that. Uh, that's going to be the title of your podcast. Um, I, I think that's super uh, inspirational. Um, where can we go? Where can we where can we find you? Where can we buy your book? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, the books are available on any bookshelf pretty much. It's available on Amazon, but if you want a signed copy, the only signed copies available right now uh, due to this current pandemic, um, www.carolinehilton.com is where the signed copies are. Um, in terms of uh, Indigenomics, you can find anything Indigenomics under hashtag Indigenomics. And then lastly, I just wanted to refer to the upcoming virtual Indigenomics conference we're having on June 22nd and 23rd. And we can find that information on the Indigenomics events page. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carol Ann, for sharing your wisdom and your story and your heart with us today. Uh, we can't wait to see what else you get up to and uh, keep in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today on the Pow Wow Pitch podcast dedicated to empowering Indigenous entrepreneurs. Thank you to our co-presenting partners, RBC, Facebook and Shopify. To our syndicate partners, Startup Canada. To our producers, Victoria Lennox and Cyprian Shalankiewicz. And to everyone who makes Powwow Pitch possible. Be sure to visit powwowpitch.org to explore how we can support you to start your business and sign up to our newsletter to learn more about the Indigenous Startup Program to get access to training and mentors. The Powwow Pitch competition for your chance to win up to $25,000 and the Indigenous Entrepreneurship Awards to celebrate your success. Until next time, I am your host, Sunshine Quemtanasco, miigwech. Bye.